the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Monday, February the 21st, 2022, in the year of our Lord. Today is President's Day. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment. On February 21st, 1975, former Attorney General John N. Mitchell, former White House aides H.R. Halderman and J.D. Ehrlichman were sentenced to two and a half to eight years in prison. You probably recognize their names and know why. It was because of their roles in the Watergate cover-up. Each of them ended up serving, I think it was about a year and a half. Today in 1885, the Washington Monument was dedicated. Today in 1964, the first shipment of U.S. wheat purchased by the Soviet Union arrived in the port at Odessa. Today in 1965, minister and civil rights activist Malcolm X, he was 39 years old. He was shot to death inside Harlem's Audubon Ballroom in New York. Today, in 1972, President Richard Nixon began his historic visit to China. He and his wife, Pat, arrived in Beijing. Today, in 2018, the Reverend Billy Graham, he's still said to be the most widely heard Christian evangelist in history, he died today. Remember that? He died in his home in North Carolina. He was 99 years old. Five years ago today, President Donald Trump condemned recent threats against Jewish community centers in the U.S. He said they are painful reminders of lingering prejudice and evil. The news is telling us this morning that there is, it's all but certain that President Biden has finally gotten a meeting with Putin. They've agreed to it, in principle at least, if not in fact. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that President Biden is snubbing Zelensky, the leader of uh, Ukraine, in favor of meeting with Putin. I guess he thinks that he can do more good or more harm meeting with Putin. I think our president, whatever the outcome of this is, there, it, it it's like the old nursery rhyme, you know, where they keep <laughs> hollering, wolf, wolf. Uh, every day these people are on there wide-eyed and they're, they're bent over their little lecterns and they're face close to the microphone and they're saying, war is coming, We're, it's almost war, there's a world war. And, well, I mean, perhaps there is. But this doesn't give me, just as an individual, just a Joe citizen out here, it doesn't give me a lot of confidence. When at the same time, the people in Europe are saying, well, you know, I don't know that Putin's really going to declare war and blow up Ukraine. I think he's just jerking the West around. I don't know who's right or wrong. I mean, we'll find out. He could be, you know, attacking with his legion of tanks and airplanes as I speak right now, this morning. But it just, I get the feeling 
that he's sort of playing cat and mouse, especially with the United States, particularly with a diminished president who really isn't up to the task. I mean, even the Democrats are, are kind of looking around and saying, well, you know, we don't want Trump, but who else is available? And they're looking for someone who can lead more effectively than President Biden. And I certainly understand that. I didn't vote for him. I would never vote for him. But those who did are having second thoughts. There's buyer's remorse. There's no question about it. So I wonder if if Putin is just jerking us around a little bit to further expose the weaknesses in our leadership in America. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless, there is apparently a meeting in the works, at least agreed to in principle, some of the great news writers of our time are saying. We'll see what happens. Zelensky has told local press that he feels snubbed by the president, but he's counting on the U.S. to protect them, to help them protect themselves, is actually what he said. Also, I noticed there's a number of stories out there this morning. First, there was gas, gasoline at the tank, our cars, then heating, now rents. Rental prices are up 20% today, over one year ago today. That's not good for anyone, particularly those who rent where they live. I don't know where that will go, but we'll certainly keep our eye on it, but it's not good. You know, sometimes you look at what's going on in the world and you just feel a little overwhelmed. You see the challenges. You can't meet the challenges. We've all been there. A lot of people are are sort of standing on that precipice right now. and They're looking out into a kind of a vast unknown because the bill, their bills are going up. As I said, at the pump, when we drive our car, at the grocery store, when we buy groceries, now when we pay rent or, if you know, if you have own a home, perhaps you're not as affected by that now. You will be later. But all of these things, and they're all sort of out of our control because they're in the control of other people, some of whom we have put in place through the elective process. But sometimes we just sense that everything is out of control and we just can't do it and we can't make it, maybe. It's overwhelming. And that shows up a lot of people are are having difficulties, mental difficulties, depression, and all of this kind of thing. I was thinking of this in terms of what I read, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5 this morning. Now that we are sufficient, not, not, uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is in God. These kinds of situations that we're facing today in our world have been endemic with the human race. Paul was talking to people who were probably feeling some of the same things that we're feeling today in his day. And that's why he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit what we know as the Word of God now, the Bible. He said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. Our sufficiency is in God. In Philippians, he wrote, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We like to quote that. This is a good time to quote that and remember it, because that's God's truth. 
It's God's inerrant, infallible truth. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, I'll leave you with this verse as well. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Tough times, difficult times, our inabilities in life, and we all have them, are opportunities for us to see if we will look through the eyes of Christ and the eyes of God at life as he sees it. It gives us opportunity to see the power of Christ at work in our lives. So it's a great opportunity. God is faithful. God is in control. Never, ever forget that. A lot of trends are going the wrong way in America. New York Times featured an article that says the married will soon be the minority in America. Marriage was the fundamental, the bedrock cornerstone of society. From the very beginning, God created male and female, and he brought them together. In the beginning, it wasn't that way, but sin and temptation and sin brought us, the human race, to a point where God put us together, male and female. And that became the cornerstone of humanity. The purpose was sustainability. Sexual relations are wonderful, and they're God-made. But the purpose of marriage was to procreate in an environment that sustains the human race. That's what family is all about, and it is mutual support and all of the things that we know. But that seems to be getting cast aside now. The New York Times published this op-ed. It was based on a couple of surveys that noted that marriage rates are falling and have been for the last 50 years. I don't think any of us have to think too deeply about that to agree. I mean, we've seen it happening. I've certainly seen it in the ministry. I've been looking at marriage and all of that from the perspective of of the ministry as a pastor and even as a youth pastor. I was beginning to see this over my lifetime. The op-ed directed its readers to a couple of polls. One was a Pew Research Center uh, report that found that in 2019, an analysis of census data showed that the share of on American adults were neither married nor living with a partner had risen to 38%. And all the growth in unmarried has come from a rise in the number who have never been married. So it's not just that people are living together unmarried, it's that people just aren't getting married. It's a decline in marriage itself, which is perhaps more significant than the other as as far as looking at, at the profile of it. This Charles Blow, writing in the New York Times, and they published it, so they obviously wanted it out there. He said, when I was young, everything in society seemed to aim toward marriage. It was the way it had always been and always would be. He notes that this Pew Research Survey, and it's an in-depth survey, I wrote an article on this today at faithandfreedom.us. That's our website. 
And um, you can read, and there's there's links there. There's a lot of information there. If you want to take a look at that, I would encourage you to do it. I'm just going to touch on it for a few moments today. Then I want to come back to talking to you a little bit about President's Day and a little bit more about George Washington. There's some things that should be said, I believe. I'll share them with you in a few moments. But I wanted to look at marriage as well, and I particularly wanted to get this out on the internet so people could spend time on it because there's more here than we could cover in a 30-minute radio program for sure. And um, I also wanted to talk a little bit about President's Day. So, But I would encourage you to take a look at this, faithandfreedom.us. And uh, you can read more of what I'm talking about right now. But this Pew Research goes into in-depth. There's a lot of information there, and it points out in the in the article in the New York Times that refers to the Pew Research Survey, it also talks about a Brookings Institution survey or statement that they put out in 2014. That's been a few years ago now. But they put this out, and Brookings Institution is very uh, far left. I mean, they're not conservative. But they said made this statement. They said, children raised by married parents do better at school, develop stronger cognitive and non-cognitive skills, are more likely to go to college, earn more, and are more likely to go on to form stable marriages themselves if they come from a stable marriage. I think most of us kind of would assume that, but their studies, and, and again, they're not advocates of anything conservative, uh, the Brookings Institute. But they use all of their data, and they come to that conclusion. They have graphs and all this kind of thing. But it goes on, the article at Brookings goes on to explain that even though kids fare much better in a traditional family, adults are choosing, many of them, to make more money over the well-being of their children. So you have to ask yourself, what's going on? The war on marriage is beginning to produce results. That's what's going on. This war on marriage has been going on for quite some time. Our, our modern culture is becoming more and more full of broken marriages. The Bible clearly tells us to honor marriage. For millennia, marriage has been honored. St. Thomas Aquinas was writing about that 800 years ago. Paul the Apostle was writing about it. The Gospels talks about marriage. Yes, it has been abused over the years. I know the Bible covers it very clearly that these guys had concubines and all this stuff, but that wasn't God's plan. God's plan is marriage. A male and a female to come together and be married and stay married and raise children, and the children then do the same thing. And science shows us that people that don't even accept God's word as inspired or as God's word, they find from their own research that a marriage that is put together and stays together through thick and thin and there will be thick and thin in a marriage relationship. But the ones that stay together produce children who do the same. And that's what builds a strong culture and strong people. So Aquinas was writing about that years, hundreds of years ago. And God addressed it from the very beginning. That's why Mark chapter 10 verse 9 says, What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. We used to hear that at every wedding ceremony. Not so much anymore. In recent years, no-fault divorce has dramatically undermined God's institution of marriage. As a pastor, I, I just want to tell you, as a lifetime in ministry, I am fully aware 
that there are those probably listening to this program today who are divorced, and it wasn't your fault. You didn't want the divorce. You wanted to work worked it out. And your spouse walked away from you, left whatever, for whatever reason. I fully understand that, and I'm not talking about you. you've been hurt enough. But I'm simply talking about God's standard that we should be striving for, and I think you would agree with that, even if you've been through a horrible situation where your spouse walked out of your life and walked out of your family and left you. I get that. And believe me, I understand. I'm talking about the the person who chooses to dissolve a marriage. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, it's written, And he answered them and said unto them, Have ye not read, these were the critics of Jesus, that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall become one flesh, where, uh, wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Marriage has always been under attack, but in recent years, particularly from the homosexual community, they have pushed and demanded and marched and influenced, and eventually they got our government to declare that marriage can be between two men or two women. And God says, no, it can't. I created marriage, and that isn't marriage. And we say, no, God, step back. Stay out of this. We will redefine marriage. That's really what it is, and I know that's blunt, but that's how we, where we are with the institution of marriage today. And that's why marriage is suffering, and that's why it's not being honored as it should be and as God would have marriage to be honored, because we have dishonored it and we have devalued it in the eyes of society. Two men don't make a marriage. Two women don't make a marriage. I mean, they could go through all the forms of marriage and living together and all of these kinds of things. They can pretend like a man can get pregnant and on it. I mean, it's crazy. It's insanity. But it doesn't change that marriage is an institution that God himself created for the betterment of mankind. There's a current National Family Life survey that's out there. The Christian Post noted it yesterday. American National Family Life Survey was taken in November 23rd through December 14th, so just a couple of months ago. They found that marriage is no longer honored as it once was as a biblical institution. The Post said it found that while 81% of couples who got married before 1972 wed someone of the same faith, only 52% of the couples who got married in the last decade reported being in the same faith of marriages. Over the same period, secular marriages also grew from 3% to 16% of all the marriages. At least 40 years ago, some 72% of Americans reported having a religious wedding ceremony with a religious leader presiding. However, some 49% of the weddings recorded in the last decade were totally secular. That's, I can't stress it enough, Marriage isn't a secular event. Marriage is a godly, biblical event. And government 
until recent years, has invoked laws, passed laws and measures, and made them or made them law in states and in our nation that would support and enhance the idea of marriage. And the idea of marriage was not two lesbians or two homosexuals. It was about a male and a female. I I I don't mean to keep overemphasizing this, but that's God's plan. That's not my plan. I certainly agree with it. But that's God's plan. And because we have dishonored marriage in so many ways, I found something, and this is personal, but I, I found something as a pastor. Um, there were people calling our church who didn't attend there. It was a, became a fairly large group, a fairly large church, quite large, in fact. But there were people calling the church who didn't attend there. They weren't Christians, and they were wanting to get married in our church. Now, I know I understand this, and I, there's probably a pastor listening that's going to 100% disagree with me, but you know, I, I apologize if you do, but it is what it is. What I found, and I did a little research, what I found was that churches, churches are charging these couples two and three and four thousand, five thousand dollars to get married in the church building. I don't agree with that. And I know some of my friends do that. I mean, some of my personal friends who are pastors. I don't agree with it, though. I think the church should extend themselves to those getting married, and in doing so, and we did, we never charged anyone for the use of our church to get married if they wanted a religious wedding, a Christian wedding. And a Christian wedding involved some counseling. I didn't care if they were atheists. They had to have counseling from us, and it was appropriate. We had a a psychologist that spoke with them, a a very biblical one, and talked to to them about it. And um, we told them about Jesus Christ and about getting saved. We didn't condone non-Christian weddings, but if they wanted to be married in a church for any reason, all we charged them was for the janitorial services. And that was, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, two or three, whatever it was. I just feel like sometimes, I I understand the argument. Churches say, well, we can't have these people in. They might drink alcohol or whatever. Well, they didn't drink it. We we told them they couldn't do that in in the church. I mean, you're in charge, but man, I wish we would stand up and lead on the principles that are eternal principles. And if somebody is looking to somehow identify with, with God through his church, welcome them. We welcome so many things today, and we seem to shun and push away the very things that can be transformative to a life. And we've done that in marriage, and enough of that, But and this isn't about me, but I, I just felt strongly about it. We just, we just wouldn't do it. We saw it as an outreach, and I would do it again if I were pastoring a church today, but I probably won't be because probably nobody, probably no congregation, they wouldn't want me. They'd be afraid of me or something. I don't know. They would disagree or whatever, but that's my view on that. But in so many ways, we have demeaned and we have devalued marriage. 
And in doing so, we devalue the family unit, and in doing so, we devalue the culture. And then we ask ourselves, wow, our culture is going to hell in a handbasket. What's wrong? What's causing this? Well, what I'm talking about is part of what's causing it. Pathetic leadership, politically, is another part of it. But newly married couples today, they're just, you know, going out in a a park. I've married people at a park. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying there's just a move to, it was barns for a while, and it was fields, and it's, you know, overpass bridges with meaning to bridging us to a better life, and all of this kind of thing. That's fine. Well, what I'm saying is let's get refocused on the fact that marriage and family is really something that God himself created. And if we operate and live in in, in the confines, the boundaries of, of what God hath put together, that God hath created, man, we would be better off. We would be more blessed. We would be happier. We would have less casualty. These are not my words. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just me. But, boy, you look at, the Bible and you look at the Word of God and it, it can change so many things and under, believe me I understand I'm speaking to some who are the victim of a spouse walking away and leaving you in a very bad situation I'm sure I know about those things and I I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the choices we make in regards to marriage these surveys show that despite the general waning of religious influence on marriages in general Mormons and evangelicals are tending to marry within their faith. Isn't that interesting? High numbers. 87% of all Mormons marry a Mormon. I, I think those of you who are aware of the Mormon faith a little bit or know something about it, you can understand that. But I was pleased to see that evangelical Protestants, 83%, of we evangelicals are marrying evangelicals when we get married. Well, I can't, I cannot overstate the importance of that. But the Christian faith is a stabilizing factor in marriage and family and in the entire culture of the world. George Washington was born February 22nd, 1732. Abraham Lincoln was born February 12th. 1809. They're the two presidents that really launched this whole idea of President's Day. We used to celebrate their birthdays. Some of you are so old you remember that. <clears throat> and um, But now it's President's Day. But I wanted to leave you with a thought about, about George Washington. He was unanimously chosen as the Army's Commander-in-Chief, unanimously chosen as President of the Constitutional Convention, unanimously chosen as the first U.S. president and unanimously re-elected to a second term. He declined declined more terms as president. He said it's better for the country, for the nation, the new nation. Only two terms for a president, Max. And he declined the title of king. There were people in America, in the colonies, that during that time in his rise to to influence they wanted to make him a king and that's what they were running away from and he said no 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 he said we're, we're going to have presidents not kings 
men of courage led this nation on godly principles to become the nation that it is. Let us remember that on President's Day. And thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, 98009. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.